Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. Vic is gallivanting in Britain, and we have brought in a worthy, worthy guest host today. Well, he's a guest. I'm gonna. I'm promoting you to host. That's what I just did. This is Jeff Blair. Of- I was. You know what? I'm always happy to accept the battlefield promotion. <laughs> there you go. This is Jeff Blair. He's a writer at National Review. You probably know him on Twitter as at Esoteric CD. He's also the host of a podcast, Political Beats, where a bunch of politicos come on and talk about something not political, which is so refreshing. Thanks for doing that. By the way, I've thought about before, what catalog do I know well enough to actually be worthy of political beats? And I'm not sure there is one. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a question that had been lurking in the back of my mind as well. But <laughs> I, was, I, I've, I have tried to think about it. I'm like, well, I was, this one is really dumb, but as an, a seven-year-old, I was a huge monkeys fan. Oh, we already, uh, okay, the, the thing is we already did the monkeys. See, and so, they're all I, I, was, I, was, I was also a huge monkeys fan as a seven-year-old, <laughs> my friend. And so that's exactly why we did them early on in the show's history. Nice. Monkeys, yeah. Bob Seger I love. Yeah, all I great stuff. I mean, I, I have a, my, I feel like my knowledge is like, broad and maybe medium depth that's the problem i don't have i don't have deep knowledge of individual outcast i have deep knowledge of (laughs) well i have a pretty deep knowledge of them too it's just a shame they flamed out after after you know was it you know speaker box yeah you know what you know what makes me sad is uh, i watched the super bowl that was played in atlanta and i thought to myself i believe that was 2018 and i thought to myself this is it the halftime show is going to have a reunion of Outcast. That's what's going to happen. I, I talked myself into it. They're both going to come out. I'm going to see Andre 3000. It's going to be amazing. And, and it didn't happen. Nothing. No big and boy. I thought, no, nope. Andre. And I thought if it doesn't happen there, it's never happening. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. You know, there are, there are, there are hip hop groups that break up because of creative differences, like Outcast. And then there are hip hops that hip-hop groups that break up because people die or go to jail and that's a lot worse and so i'll yeah. take out i'll take outcast not talking to one another in the hopes that maybe one day they will it's true it's true i i also think it was a missed opportunity not to cast i've talked about this before it's a beef i have that andre 2000 was not cast in black panther <laughs> it does seem like, like a missed he opportunity was, right? he was dressing like them 20 years ago he was so yeah. ahead of his time they pirated the style didn't they yeah <laughs> No. Oh man, let me tell you, Jeff. Yesterday was my birthday. Mm. Yeah. Congratulations! Birthday. Happy birthday, Mary. Thank Catherine. you, thank you. It was a very good day. What I is it? To... 20, 20, 25 now? Twenty six? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm pushing thirty now. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> I am solidly in my forties. I just and... turned. I, I I just turned twenty one. I could legally drink for the first time. Oh, it's I'm amazing. so excited for you. Yeah, I know. Your uh, your St. Patty's Day in Chicago must have been lovely. I was the man who turned the river green just just from so the vomit. Beautiful. Alone. So beautiful. It was me, all me. It's good to be young, Jeff. So <laughs> it was my birthday yesterday, and I got to hang out with my kids. Got to have a lunch date with my husband. We went to a museum, saw the tulips in downtown DC or in you know on the mall. I went back to the gym for the first time since my new baby was born. <laughs> And my wife hasn't been back since her, and that was five, four and a half years ago. And Look, she's just every, like, she keeps saying like next month. <laughs> it never everyone, everyone has their own trajectory. I actually, I work up slowly. I do some home workouts and then get in there, you know, at three months or so after the baby. Cause you do want to be careful, especially at my advanced age. I want to be careful and not injure myself. 
Uh, don't want to don't want to snap any of those like ostrich like bones you know, with those osteoporotic bones that are yes. all thinned out. <laughs> exactly. We really want them to survive. Hope you're do... drinking lots of calcium in the house. You know, <laughs> it's true. It's true. You gotta you gotta be at your own pace. And so, but it really does make me feel better. So I had for my birthday, I gave myself the present of you're going to the gym nice. by yourself. You're gonna get a full workout in, and then we'll deal with the pain later. <laughs> And, and that's what, what I'm and, doing. That's what I'm and, doing now. And, and so, and that—that's why I, I can detect a tinge of pain. It, 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 there, there, there's there's a certain ache in your voice. I, there I'm is. suspecting. I'm suspecting that's what it's from. There is. It's coming from my hamstrings. But I got another sort of birthday present, which was this variety story about Don Lemon at CNN, which is yes. quite a doozy. Uh, variety reported sort of a. There's not a ton of it on the record, although I appreciated that Soledad O'Brien gave a quote on the record and it was, it was, I believe, well, they called her to confirm some quote from Don Lemon in a, in a meeting that she didn't attend. And they said, Soledad O'Brien, who did not attend, said, Don has a long history of saying things that are both idiotic and inaccurate. So that sounds very on brand for him. And of course, if you're aware of, of Soledad O'Brien's behavior uh, on Twitter, this was to me the perfect embodiment of the let them fight meme. Yep. <laughs> just, just yep. Like, wow, these two people who have equally dodgy reputations just head now. Oh, this will be fun. Popcorn cake. And at that moment, that was when I literally actually opened a bag of caramel popcorn. I, I, I literally read this piece with a bag of popcorn. It was that good. It, so it reports all the way back to 2008 and maybe even before that at times about the the tiffs and more that he has had, particularly with female co-workers. And the most sort of problematic one, it's more than problematic, yeah, was a was an interaction with Kira Phillips, who got some she co-hosted with him back then and got some gigs that he wanted, including reporting from Iraq. And he used to leave things on her desk, like ripped up notes. And then she started getting allegedly, according to this article, threatening text messages from an unknown number on her flip phone that warned, now you've crossed the line and you're going to pay for it. Phillips was understandably upset, went to CNN's folks. I've had to do this before with creepy things and, and tell the security folks, hey, this person's targeting me. Find out information about them. Let's do whatever we can to make sure that everyone's safe. So she reports it up the chain to the security guys. And lo and behold, according to this article, they trace these messages to her co-host, Don Lemon. But as you might notice, he's still at the network, which I, I, just I, blows okay, my mind. The, the story itself is shocking enough. It's it's genuinely stalker stuff. Creepy, yeah. creepy. Like, you know. Like a burner like, phone to, to but, harass a colleague. But beyond that, also like where he's like tearing up photographs and leaving them in her desk. That's like really creepy, like like jilted crush high school it's really bizarre yes. and so yeah and he's still i i i came to chicago in 2005 and actually i saw lemon before he went to cnn when he was still a local ah. anchor here in the city and he was immediately obvious that he had a certain on-screen charisma and it was clear yeah. so like it wasn't surprising to me like when he moved national i had no idea any of this was behind the scenes but then i started talking to people in later years and people would start telling me like don lemon stories from as far back as before CNN, like in Chicago, he was already a diva. None of this, nothing like this, but very much a guy who thought, well, I am a star. And yeah. I guess, you know, he, 
why does why does he believe it? Well, because he kind of willed himself into being. Well, a star, it tur- yeah, it turns despite out he have, is a star. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the funny thing is, like, he he's a star only in in the sense that he has a spotlight. Because what happens to Don Lemon when you take that spotlight away? Yeah. His ratings aren't exactly great. So, right, like, true. We, it's it's going to be a Keith Olbermann situation, and that would be, I guess, the worst case scenario. Because Keith Olbermann is now taken to just like, you know, trying to promote his podcast in other people's comment sections on Twitter, which is like a sad way to go. But like either than that, I, I, I saw that piece. And the, the details, by the way, go far beyond what Mary Catherine just said. I mean, they go all the way into the present day. And it's clear to me that the reason you're reading it in Variety is because CNN is preparing to cut the ties. Because yeah. This doesn't come out unless they are they are either laying the groundwork you know, preparing for a retaliatory lawsuit. Did you notice there was an entire section in that thing where they talked about how Lemon bragged about how he sues yes. people? He, he walks around telling people, hey, I successfully sued all these other folks. So there's, why do you think that made it into the piece, yeah. Mary yeah. Catherine? That is not an accident. OK, so I think this is just a very cannily timed a series of coordinated. I, I don't doubt for a second the information is correct, but CNN is getting their ducks in a row and they are preparing to fire him out of a cannon into the sun. Well, you know, he lasted longer than I did. Well, you know, what can you say? You know, he, maybe he checks a few more boxes. Democratically. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I so, so it's in- and, and, what's, it's true. Well, and, and you'll notice that there's a there's a part in here, too, which notes as as we all would expect that Trump attacking Lemon, calling him, I believe, dumb as a rock was the quote made him much more valuable right. to Zucker, who was running the network. And that tracks for everyone. No one, no one doubts this. So his, his, his star remained in the CNN firmament, partly on the strength of having been because the target he cannily, of Donald he Trump. Can, yeah, he cannily positioned himself right in the crossfire. You know, if you throw yourself intentionally, you know, in front of a machine gun nest and know that you're going to get shot, well, then there you go. Now you've become a valuable martyr. And that's that's the way Lemon, be- Lemon became for CNN. I'm just I'm just I'm wondering how long it'll last. But it, it clearly seems like the writing's on the wall. Well, and as with many of these stories, and this is what, uh, you know, it's disappointing for for me because, you know, I got let go from CNN for speaking up about my colleague. Jeffrey Tubin's behavior on Twitter, which apparently was verboten. Don Lemon, of course, gets away with much more. But throughout this story, all the women who took issue with him, especially during the Zucker era, they are gone from the network and he remains. So taking issue with this yeah. kind of behavior, you know, doesn't really pan out for the ladies in the room. He, I, did, I had totally missed, by the way, that on air, he said S.E. Cup had mommy brain. I knew he had done that to somebody. I didn't realize it was S.E. Cup. And I wish I'd caught that earlier, but what are you doing, my man? What are you doing? And then, and then they're like, you know who we should put him at? with? Two more ladies. <laughs> He's with Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins in the morning. That sounds like a great recipe. Oh, well, so, you know, I have a theory about that, by the way. I, I think that, that was intentional sabotage on the part of Chris Licht. Uh... That once, because, because, I mean, remember, Lemon got demoted from his, having his own yes. show. Which was, of course, what he wants. He wants the sole spotlight. He's a star guy, right? He believes he's he's the yeah. This of was it wasn't and destined so, to to be a great combo. Well, so so with anyone. Now, now I don't. You can normally say, oh, it's like a Good Morning America chair. It's just as prestigious as what you know Stephanopoulos is doing. But of course, Lemon knew in his mind it's a demotion. Not only yeah. do I have to share time with two other people, 
But as everybody apparently knows, Don Lemon has women problems. Yeah. And so putting him between two of them, it's always it was like, basically, we're going to wait to see whether you explode is my theory. And of course, they were correct. It's exactly what happened. Because and then they the were like, real, boom, the there's real... a lady. There's a lady running for president. And wait, she's we, a Republican. We haven't even mentioned this, Mary Catherine. It, well, the, the real actual starting point for this recent controversy was people may have forgotten it. There's so much churn in the news was the comments that he made about Nikki Haley when yes. he, when she announced that she was running. And she said, I don't even know how on earth he decided to go on this. Oh, I think I think it was Haley made a comment about how Joe Biden was too old to be running for president. Yes. You know, he's actually obviously senile, which is a fair point. And then Lemon says, well, Everybody knows that Nikki Haley is past her prime. Yeah, Aren't you guys aware that women women in their 40s and 50s are past their prime? And he's like, yeah, you're only in your prime in your 20s. And it was just the most amazing. It was like old school. It could have come out of the mouth of Dabney Coleman and Tootsie. It right. was that bad. Well, it's one of those moments like Barbara Walters talks about, like in the when when we saw the 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 biographical and old stuff about Barbara Walters and retrospectives about the treatment she got when she was first on set. That's what it sounded like, right? Like, yeah. Like straight like, up like old school seventies, eighties sexism, yes. like, and it's come from Don Lemon in 2023. And that's where this whole ball got rolling. But I mean, I think it, that was the moment where Licht was waiting for him to right. he put him in that position, almost daring him to fail. He failed. And now here are the results. That's my I, private thesis, at least. I've got my own little internal theory about well, what's we going sh- on. We here. shall stay tuned to what happens yes. next. I I have said before, like I wish, <laughs> I, I I wasn't on air with Don Lemon. Well, I wasn't on air a lot, period. But not with on with Don Lemon a lot, partly because it's like his show was at eleven eleven thirty at night, and I was like not into that as the mother of many children. But I would love to have been on set in that moment just to. Just to do, can we do a little side interview about like, what do you, what do you mean by past her prime? What kind of prime are we talking about? And then I would just list all the various, is it like a tra- physical attractiveness prime, sexual prime? Are we talking about childbearing? Yeah, exactly. Reproductive, reproductive. childbearing prime, which, which one of those is relevant to running for president? And can you explain to me why? Please go, Don Levin. Oh, I mean, just, just imagine what must have happened at the commercial break. What do you think they were saying to him when they went to commercial there? That must have been a remarkable exchange. And we'll well, never and, know. And I feel I feel for Poppy and Caitlin on set because when someone says something really amazing on set that's just beyond what you expected, even from that person, if you're grading on the lemon curve, it can be hard to react in the moment. And because you're like, did this person just say the thing that I'm under? I think I'm understanding. He said, but I would have liked to have like heard the, visi- the, the visible found. The visible flinch on their faces when he starts yes. going into it, and they're just like sitting there silently, and they're like, "Like what? What? What's going on here? Am I taking crazy pills?" Like, yeah, it was that kind of a moment. All right, All right well, we we, we shall stay tuned. It's just yeah. you know, it's just I got to talk about it. I got to talk about no. it. Um, I mean, it's really funny stuff. All right, let's talk about less funny stuff, which is the Chicago mayoral election. Yes, let's 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 slide into the slough of despair here. Okay, I I, I am going to trough the depths of of sadness. You want to you want to cue it up for me, or do you want me to yeah, just tell let, you why we're doomed? Well, let me let me just give the the basics. Lori Lightfoot, who everybody remembers as a, a main character on Twitter several times during COVID, during during many news cycles, she lost in this many person race a couple months ago and this was the runoff to determine who would actually become mayor between brandon johnson 
and Paul Vallis. And Paul Vallis was the sort of more moderate progressive. And Brandon Johnson is understood to be the left of Lightfoot progressive. And tell us who won. The wrong guy won. Brandon mm. Johnson won. All right. And it was the closest race in Chicago mayoral history. Wow. It's a 51-49 race right now. With the final votes, maybe the numbers are going to shift. But we're talking about a two to three point race in total. It's never been this close. Well, and it was so already this, historic that it, to some it, degree that Lightfoot had lost in the, in the first place because incumbent yes. mayors in Chicago tend to do pretty well. Well, I mean, the thing is that has happened once before. And of course, the last time it happened was exactly 30 years ago, 1983. And it was with another female mayor, the first one, Jane Byrne. And she lost to Harold Washington. In, in By the way, talk about, you know, how history rhymes. That was the second closest race in Chicago mayoral wow. history. And here's the thing you guys need to know about this city, of course. And I've I, I, I written about this a bunch for National Review. And I joke, you know, there that, like, I think conservatives treat Chicago politics the way they treat cobbles, you know, or, 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 or you know, the politics of Mars. You know, it might as well be, if not a foreign country or foreign planet. It, 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 but it's real for the people like, you know, people like me who live here. I live yeah. in the heart of the city. and. And this was a real choice the city was facing because Vallis, I wouldn't even describe him as like being a progressive. He was more just like a classic daily, you know, okay. daily style centrist Democrat, center left. But like, you know, not a crazy guy, a guy who kind of gotcha. stood for continuity. What you would say is like, well, the, the city, when the city worked, it was because of these guys who were like knew how to manage all the special interests, you know, were, you know, you know, worked with the police that weren't opposed to them, could you know, kick the teachers unions in the butt and, you know, and, and make sure that they, you know, came to bear at the negotiating table. It's right. a very complicated job. That was what Vallis stood for. Brandon Johnson is basically your ideal progressive, you know, bred in a jar in a lab. Uh, yeah. The guy who you would want to be the mayor of Portland or San Francisco or New York or Seattle is now the mayor of Chicago. And we've never elected a mayor like this in our lives. And we're doing it at exactly the worst time. To, to explain what Johnson's program was, you know, we think of defund the police as being right. like this, this toxic thing that ended up destroying, you know, Democratic chances in 2020 when they otherwise should have swept given Trump's unpopularity. Well, Johnson is, is a defund the police light guy. He, he used to be defund the police. Right. But now he, his compromise position is we just won't fund the police anymore. No more additional troops, no more, no recruits, no more investment in, in, in police training, none of that. Instead, we're going to spend money on social workers and this, that community approaches, the kind of stuff that all sounds nice and tickles the funny bones of left wingers, especially elite left wingers across the city, but is going to do absolutely nothing for a city whose crime rate is just blowing up. And I guess the other thing I'll point out is that this is all happening basically at exactly the worst time. And this is something that I think people outside of Illinois don't realize okay in 2022 the state of illinois in this fit of like post george floyd over enthusiasm activist zeal passed something called the safety act and it is the first it, inside it its provisions it contains the first ever statewide cashless bail law now you know what cashless so the bail name laws is are? ironic the name is ironic is what you're telling me oh more than yes <laughs> more than just a bit ironic so, like, you know, cash's bail is something that, right. that some cities had experimented with. You saw it in, like, San Francisco and New York. Yep. And, and everybody knows exactly what happened. It was like a revolving door of crime. Right? You yes. just let you out. You go back. You do it the next day. Well, guess what Illinois and its infinite wisdom did? Because it's a, a Democratic hammerlock state. It passed a statewide law. So special. 
So and it's the entire state, but of course Chicago is going to be the hardest hit. Now here's the funny thing: immediately after it was passed, the sheriff's departments from all the downstate, you know, counties sued and said, like, okay. "No, no." And so there's an injunction on it in court. And I think everybody secretly hopes that the court is going to throw this out because they know it's going to be a nightmare if the law is upheld. But yeah. if the law is upheld, and there's really no theoretical reason why it shouldn't, I mean, it's constitutional. It's just yeah, it bad. got passed. So. It's bad law. It's just it's it, it's like it's like a really stupid law that will harm the state. But there's nothing unconstitutional about it. So if it's upheld, good luck. You have a guy who doesn't believe in policing and the mayor of a city that's now going to have absolutely no way to hold crime down because you can't even keep the criminals in jail for like you know less than five minutes it's going to be a nightmare and i'm sorry to go on this giant rant but chicago no, 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 has, please chicago has really done itself a disservice and we are about to uh we're gonna reap a whirlwind i fear very soon well this saddens me because aside from the wretched cold chicago is a lovely place <laughs> beautiful city fun place to visit and this is something you've tweeted about and written about. It's like, Some of us like I, the cold here, Mary Catherine. I, I don't you know, know what? I'm a Southerner. It's not going to change, man. <laughs> never. I'm never going to be okay with that. The wind. Woo! Okay. Horse, so, horses for courses. What can I say? Yes. So, you know, I live in a blue area here in Northern Virginia near D.C., D.C., of course, has taken some of the same wrong turns, lessening all the penalties for, for crime. I was actually on the Metro the other day, and <laughs> this is, you know, one of those tiny things, but, like, watched 18 people jump the turnstiles before my kids and I paid to go in. I mean, this yeah. is like, that didn't, I'm, I'm, used, I'm, didn't I'm used to happen Pot here. I'm from Potomac. You know, I was born and raised in ah, D.C., yes. you know, and, and I grew up there. And I just, you know, I, I just hope they're not doing it up in Grosvenor, which is where it was my old metro stop on a red line. It's like, that's a little too gentrified for everyone yeah. to just be skipping out on their fares. You shouldn't do it, people. So the, things have changed. Things have changed in the city. I'm, I, I behave differently when I go down there at night because things are, they feel different than they did a couple of years ago. And it does seem more dangerous in spots. So I'm just more wary. And I hope that, you know, things correct themselves, uh, that things get corrected here. And it seems unlikely here. It seems less likely in Chicago, but I want these places to n not destroy themselves. So, because I like the cities of America and I want them to succeed and I want the people of them to be prosperous. So why, why did Chicago take this turn? I don't I, I don't know. I think we're we're a very confused city that I think is is honestly I would love to say that we are more sensible than we are, but I don't think we understand the stakes that are involved. I think first of all you have to this is a long story and it's probably too long to tell here on the show, but there's like a long history. We love like, a long story. <laughs> well, there's a long history of like messed up city politics. Of yeah. Course. I mean this start this you know, all the discontents in this city go back as far as Rahm Emanuel, if not further. You know, when Rahm Emanuel was running for his second term in office, there was this giant police shooting scandal by a kid named Laquan McDonald. I remember this, yeah. Right. And so, like, you know, he was basically a shot unarmed, and the police covered it up. And then Rahm Emanuel found out about it. And this is right as he was facing his own runoff against Chuy Garcia, which he won by by a still a surprisingly narrow mark. We thought he won it by 10%. We thought, well, that's the closest right. Chicago mayoral race we'll ever see. We were so wrong. But when the cover up came out and it was clear that that the that the mayor's office had bought off you know you know the, the family and suppressed the video to affect his reelection chances right. his second term was destroyed and that's how lightfoot came into office as an outsider as a reformer there was another daily it was richard daly it was obama's chief of staff that's right yeah was supposed to be like the designated heir for the next mayor of chicago he didn't even make the runoff 
in 2019. And so it was Lightfoot, who was kind of a nobody, against Tony Pretwinkle, who was very much not a nobody. She was a, a big teachers union person. And everybody hated or knew it feared her. So she's like, not acceptable. Lightfoot came in on that outsider wave. She blew it. Her four years have been a disaster, but people still want outsiders. And I think there's one okay. thing you might want to pay attention to. Paul Vallis had a record in this city. He ran multiple times. He was Pat Quinn's running mate, I think, in 2014. Oh, was he really? For a lieutenant governor. He's ran for mayor before and lost. He was, of course, the superintendent of Chicago Public Schools. He's a man with a record. Brandon Johnson is essentially a man without a record. And I think there are some voters who don't think of it more complicated than that. And they think, gotcha. well, I'll take the outsider. Now, in this case, they chose Pruitt because the outsider is going to screw us all over. Ooh. But that, I think, has something to do with it. And I do want to touch upon one other thing you said, Mary Cat, because this bothers me. I've gotten a lot of this in the last few days. You know, for, especially, it's, you know, when I write about it for National Review or you know, I tweet about it, I get this line where you say, like, oh, well, these people get what they deserve. You get what right. you deserve. Move. If you don't like it, you should just move. Go to Florida. You know, screw these cities. And I have to admit, I get a little bit angry about that because, yeah. first of all, buddy, you don't know why I'm here. Uh, you make assumptions about me, but, you know, life is not I'm not homo economicus. OK, right. It's not just as simple as throwing everything into a U-Haul and moving to Miami Beach. I could do it, but I have reasons I'm here, okay? They're not as simple as just like jobs and money, okay? There are emotional, family, work attachments, all sorts of things. So I hate that above all. But I also hate the fact that people like me aren't supposed to love these cities. I think Chicago is a beautiful town. I love this city. I despair for where it's going and what's happened to it. I deal with its hardships and its inconvenience. I had to deal with the public parks in this city being bolted shut for an entire year during yep. COVID. And I survived that. I don't want to let this just chase me out, you know, but I, that's why, you know, even though I'm very depressed about what happened, I just, I bristle when I just, you know, hear the smug people who live in the suburbs or in rural areas. And inevitably they're conservatives who just right. you know, don't have to worry about urban problems. Just like, ah, oh, well, that's your fault for living there. Get out. No. no, it's t- it's more complicated than it's, it's I've been talking to several friends. I mean, this was Carol Markowitz before she moved to Florida. She was a New Yorker through and through her, her whole life, you know, yeah. moved, moved there as a, a refugee from the USSR right. as a I mean, child. That might eventually happen to me, too, by the way. And, and right. when it does, though, I'm not going to be smug about it. Well, and th- that's the thing is it's hard to know the moment that you need to say goodbye to your home and stop fighting for it. You know, that's a that's a tough decision to make. I have another friend out in Colorado who's having this discussion with herself about, well, there's pretty much been an extinction level event for Republicans in this state. Where do we go from here? Although I believe the Denver mayoral race ended up slightly better than the Chicago mayoral race did. So there's that. She got that going for her. But saying goodbye to something that is, you know, where your roots are and your identity and there's various reasons you're there takes a while. I've done it. I've done it once. I don't want to do it twice. You know, I, I'm from the D.C. area and, and I, I kind of consciously decided I didn't like living that, you know, it's like coming from nowhere is the way I felt about it, you know, because it's such a transient. Hey, place you know what? The only you know what it was, there. though? You know what it was, though, importantly? What? The inspiration for Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, Potomac 20854. It was, yeah. it was literally my high school. Churchill That's, High School was the inspiration. That, I didn't go. That, that was my Potomac, home school. I went to. <laughs> yeah. Potomac has therefore given us. All that it could have given us. That's yes. such a beautiful contribution to society. And, and, and of course, its contribution is the most, you know, you know, pathetically superficial thing in the world. Although, <laughs> it, you know, it got, you know what, I'm going to tell you, you know, it, it, it got Luke Perry on the screen. So 
I can't important. Complain. Important right? was gave us Jason Priestley. You know, w- was growing up in Potomac what made you a political junkie? Where did that? No, yeah, oh, for sure, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I my parents are both government employees, grew up inside the Beltway and all that. So yeah, they were very in- interested in politics. They're both very liberal growing up, by the way. You know, standard yeah. issue like liberal Democrats, as you might expect. But yeah, I mean, that was that was certainly a huge part of it. We just had politics and books, yeah. and we played in my family. This is. You might have to edit this one out of a podcast because it's the most dorky <laughs> confession I've ever made around my dinner table. Bring it. We, we, we would play the senator guessing game where it would be me, my mom, and, and my dad. And we'd each have to name a current U.S. senator and the first one of us who couldn't had to do the dishes. Oh, my gosh. That we one would might sometimes, be, you might be worse we would than my family. Yeah, we, we could sometimes get to like 95 of them. And then somebody would forget who the hell the senator from Idaho is. And that, that person did the dishes. Honestly, sometimes I still hear names that I'm like, really? It's a senator? Yo, yo. Oh, I, I used to be so. Uh, because, I stayed because, up to date. So because I grew up on that game, I stayed up to date for a long time. But now I'm like, like, wait, who the hell is a senator from Iowa yeah. these days? Like, I, well, actually, I know that that's Ernst and Grassley. But like, there are like states now that there's been complete turnover and I've lost track. Yeah. It's sad. I'll, I'll just hear one and be like, oh, interesting. I'm glad they have to wear pins. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, should we close with a little Trump talk? Oh, why not? Can't you know, be avoided, can it? It, can't, it cannot be avoided. And that's part of the problem. So the indictment. Okay. I talk about this all the time. And I talked about it for years on CNN about this Coyote and Roadrunner game that we are playing, which is, ha at any moment, we're going to get him. I'm going to get him this time, Jeff. And the the time the time before was the the. The raid on Mar-a-Lago, and it was like, just wait till you hear what this is about, and then we waited. And now this one is just wait till the indictment comes down, because you're going to learn how much stuff is here. And it turns out how much stuff is here is that Trump is a man of very questionable ethics who does kind of bad stuff and skeezy stuff on the regular, which I think we all know. But the question is whether it rises to a criminal act. Okay, so the indictment came down. And I'll just read a couple headlines to get a, give us the idea of what's what's happening here. I think when the Atlantic is running a piece that says what I just said, <laughs> this is actually quite bad. The Manhattan District Attorney's charges underscore how profoundly unsuited Trump is for the office he is now again seeking. But what the article says is notwithstanding the legal merits of this thing, because it turns out legal merits are not great. The uh, New York Times has an opinion piece, which is a uh, it's it's a good explication of these 34 half charges sort of the trump indictment is a legal embarrassment i just think the consensus seems to be that this is shaky at best and if you really dig through it it looks pretty bad not for trump in fact i think it's a it's a disservice to basically everyone but trump listen i i i don't try to speak as a lawyer Right. Often these days, ex-lawyer, because honestly, at National Review, we have many people who are far more qualified to do the legal analysis. I know enough, however, to, to track exactly the arguments being made here. The case is worse than just shaky. It is an actual embarrassment. It's a disgrace. And one of the things that we're all just kind of laughing ruefully about is that people kept giving us crap for like the last week, you know, months, really talking about, well, we know what the indictment is going to be. We know the basis of these charges. We know what the legal theories are here, because how do we know? Because Alvin Bragg's frigging grand jury had been leaking to the New York Times right. nonstop 
All right. So like it wasn't like we were guessing. People were saying like you have to wait. Just wait you for the indictment. You're gonna wait for the indictment. It's like, no, I don't have to wait for the indictment. I know the theories. The, the, the evidence may be different, but the theories don't change. Right. Okay, because it's law. And that's the way the law works. And I know there's no way to get him from point A to point B on these charges, upgrading them from misdemeanors to felonies, beating the statute of limitations. He has to basically do four consecutive impossible tasks. And the only way he'd ever be able to get away with them is you just say, okay, the judge is a political hack and the jury is completely biased. And it would just be the, the, the worst sort of disgrace to like, you know, our belief in the system of public law. And again, I don't know how much your, your listeners may know about me, Mary cat, but like I am like the most anti-Trump guy on the planet. No, this is the thing. They, they make me speak up for him. They make me do it. It gives me like no joy, but it also fills me with the desire to have to do it because like this is precisely when you have to say this. Okay, you can't just be like, well, this is BS, but I don't like Trump. So I, you know, so let it let it be right. Let it be. No, no. That that way lies madness. Things just just spiral out of control once you let that kind of a consideration take take hold. So, no, I don't like Trump one bit. I, I desperately want him to fall down a manhole and just like end his presidential campaign tomorrow. However, this is garbage. This is not only a garbage indictment. This actually is the kind of thing that will threaten to sort of help continue to shred the social fabric of America right. for no purpose, for no end, for the end only perhaps the short-term political gain of one Alvin Bragg. Yeah. And that guy can go to hell as far as I'm concerned. So like, I, as I said, there, there, is, there are no – every time I read a piece that tries to defend this indictment on its legal merits, it's just – a moment where I, a smirk, a rictus smirk just sets in before I even get to the first paragraph. It yeah. can't be defended on the merits. It can only be defended as a raw exercise of political power, saying Trump is evil, Trump is bad. We have to get him any way we can. If and we failed bit, a hundred times, so we're going to try this bit, way. If it's a little bit underhanded and it's a little and it's a lot shady well the, the you know if you want to make an omelet you've just got to break a few eggs that's yeah. the only argument you can make for this there's no there's no principled one well and and again and this the, the wall street journal has a has a piece by mark penn and andrew stein the trump indictment accelerates america's race to the bottom which is generally my take on the sort of anti-trump versus pro-trump forces it's like yeah. must must we all debase ourselves in service of how we feel about this person, or could we just are there stick- are there only are there only two views in the yeah. entire world? Uh, <laughs> and and, and just- I mean, this is like not just on politics. This is like you know, your sexual preferences, what kind of movies you like. Are you pro-Trump or anti-Trump? There's, uh, there's you only a, two. Are you a Trump sexual or a non-Trump sexual? I mean, and that's it. You know, forget ninety-seven genders. We've got two now. You're a Trump. You're a Trump or a Trump. Okay, yes. I don't know. I, I'm so tired of reducing everything to him. And, well, and, and that's but and that's, that's the next but, year of this. The, yeah, no, and we're gonna we're gonna. I was telling somebody the other day. I was like, I just don't know if I can do this again. Like it's watching this slow motion thing. Yeah, that is exactly what has been happening over and over and over. And I recommend a good scotch. I mean, really invest hard in it, and and like you stock. Stock up. The thing I always note, and I noted before the indictment came down, but as as I understand the indictment, again, I'm not a lawyer, but it sounds like these 34 counts hinge on the fact that allegedly these things he did were used to cover up another crime. But that other crime was essentially an FEC violation, which is what I've said from the beginning. And that's why it remained unspecified in the pleading. 
because I think there's like some sort of like last second hope he can pin it to a state crime as well. And he's leaving his options open. Right. Uh, neither play makes any sense or would work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there, there, there the... might even be, yeah, there might even be like area preclusion, you know, right, with regard right. to enforcing federal election laws, but that I don't know. Like, well, and aside, aside from that and how this, how this goes and whether the federal courts abrogate this and say like, no, we, you're, you're not having any part of this. An FEC violation of this size is tiny. 130K. Like just to, and I I reminded people at CNN about this and they of course were like, I don't know, the scandal-free Obama administration, really? In 2008, an FEC audit of the Obama's 2008 campaign found almost 2 million dollars in shady donations. And they were fined because it's not generally like a big criminal case against Barack Obama. They were fined $375,000 by the FEC, which is several times the amount of the alleged original violation in this situation. These are not like big judge and jury trials. That's not what that kind of crime is. It's all peddling stuff. I mean, it, you, these sorts of campaign finance violations, unless you're embezzling funds right. <laughs> like, and like spending them on private jets, that's the kind of stuff that gets a man sent to prison. This doesn't. This is, right. you know, this is... it. It's transparently political, which is the other point that I made, too, is that like if you want to argue that justice is blind and no one is above the law, this is the worst possible. This is the wrong one. Yeah, this is the proof that that people are above the law, but just not him because because he's not popular. Yeah, it's it's it's. And of course, you know, again, this is me speaking as a a not as an anti-Trump guy. The worst part about it is that it makes him into a martyr. And of course. People will feel the sort of need to obligatorily rally to his defense, and I'm afraid it'll translate into votes. We still don't know anything about that. If it's it's again, it's it's April 2023, and I'm We're already early, feeling depressed right. about right. the state of the primaries. Perhaps it's premature. Keep but those expectations low, though. It's important. But it's easy to see a dynamic here unfolding, yes. right? And and, yes. and 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 it's also easy to see us just talking about this endlessly. You know, random updates. For the next year, apparently the next hearing isn't even until December. But oh, good something lord! Is, good lord! Yeah, we gotta wait for that, and then like, oh. you know, and, and, and who knows how they're gonna keep the pot boiling until then? Oh, we go, yo, you know, I know exactly what's gonna happen because he's probably gonna get indicted this time for real, perhaps, and justifiably so on the Georgia, the stuff. Georgia one. Yes, he might. They might have a case on that one. We're gonna wait and see on that one. That, but the, uh, you know, that's 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 of an entirely different color, though. That's like him trying to like overturn the election. Well, yeah. real stakes. This. Like, like Donald Trump is a scumbag morally. We know he sleeps with porn stars. No offense if you think he's a hero, that's fine. But I'm well aware of his marriage history. Yeah. Okay. And we've been briefed. We've been briefed on we've this. Been, we're all read in on the Donald Trump thesis. Okay. Also, so I, I, a, a part that, about this that I that I just caught today is that the timeline for this alleged cover up that was supposed to be in service of not letting voters know what was happening here goes until after the election. Yes. Yeah. It happens after the election. Right. That's why it's all so – that's why I said yes to, like, do 15 loop-de-loops, fly through three rings, go oh. up a mountain and down a valley like the ending of Top Gun Maverick and somehow not die. That's the kind of, like, aeronautics you have to pull off to get this thing even past a judge. It's that attenuated a theory. It's a bad case. Well, I'm excited that maybe we can get a 
a live link to Michael Avenatti in prison to speak about this. We got to get him. Got to get him everywhere again. We got to have him all over the place. I had to double check actually to see whether this was a, a, a joke. Ben Jacobs tweeted this out, and I thought it was April Fool's. It was March 30th oh though, so it wasn't. Okay. It was you know sources close to Avenatti says that he has mixed feelings about the Trump indictment. He says you can't rely upon Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen as witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> says says Mister Mister Reliable. The man who's in jail because of defrauding Stormy. Me Daniels. <laughs> I mean, over every... Michael Cohen. <laughs> Why is everything a cartoon? The whole, the it's whole, the whole drama. It's just too funny. All yeah. right. On that note, since we're not in our place of existential dread at the moment, let's let's close on that happier note. Yeah. I want you, Jeff, to plug whatever you want to plug, including podcasts and writing, what have you. Oh well, I mean, you can find me wherever fine National Review products are sold at <laughs> nationalreview.com, and of course, my my web my podcast is Political Beats, as you mentioned in the introduction. It's it's a musically based thing, so like if you're a big music dork, this is probably for you. We take a band or an artist on every you know episode, and we have a guest in, and there's no politics. We don't discuss the politics. Love it. Unless unless it's like the Clash, you know, we 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 can't really avoid talking about how they liked socialism. So like yeah. Right? or Sandinistas for that matter. But no, this is just it's a music lovers podcast because as it turns out, a lot of people in, in the world of politics don't just want to make it their entire lives. And, yes, and that's I like love me. That. I you know, my, mo- my motto is that you, you don't want to ever make politics your religion because your yeah. gods are always going to be overthrown. Yep. You got you to gotta find other things. Speaking of which, I'm learning to play guitar right now. Nice. Took yeah. me a while, but it was worth it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I have played other instruments. I just have never really dug in on guitar. How are so your fingers feeling? They're all right. They have some blisters. They yeah. have some some peeling going on there. Yeah, so I feel you like got I'm you, earning it. I'm earning. You got to get those calluses before. You know, it was really painful to fret strings that first time you do it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Jeff Blair, for being with us. Yeah, I my really pleasure. appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. As you guys know, please subscribe, leave a nice review. Thank Jeff for joining in Vic's absence. I hope Vic's in Britain. I think he made it there. Thanks you thank you all for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Thank you.